Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. My name is Mike McIntosh, and I'm from San Diego, and excited to be with you. We are going to be talking a lot about um, the heart of America, uh, the heart of the church, and the heart of the Lord. And we have several really good, interesting guests over the next three days that I think will bless you and that you will learn. There is a verse I found many, many years ago in uh, San Diego. It's Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 6. And it was when the um, Jewish people were taken into Babylon. And Jeremiah was given a message from the Lord that said, Seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away. And pray to the Lord for it. In its peace, you will have peace. And that's what we need to do. I think that uh, we're going to enjoy hearing about revival in um, the next hour. But this moment, I want to give you a reason why we need to get prepared. My good friend, Pastor Barry Stagner, is on the line. And Barry and I, for five years, co-hosted World News Briefing on his channel, .com. And he is really gifted in the area of helping understand the world news in its place with the return of the Lord. So, Barry, are you online there, buddy? Hello. Well, Barry's not there, so when the... Yeah, I'm here. Oh, you're there? Oh, I just heard you. I'm here. All right. Thanks for being here. This is... So uh, great to be with you, Mike. Thank you, sir. Um, We have close to 20 minutes here, and then we're going to have a break. And um, we want the audience to ask you some questions if they'd like to. And once again, again, ladies and gentlemen, it's one 8557 And Barry, uh, from your worldview that you follow the news very closely with the Bible, what would you say are some of the top issues right now that we could say, this is in the Bible, and it's a sign that the Lord is ready to come back? Well, boy, that's a tough uh, choice, Mike. There's so many things happening in relation to what you described. But I think all of our hearts and minds are moving toward the Middle East right now, uh, watching what's going on in Afghanistan, the great tragedy that is happening there with the uh, meltdown of the government, uh, the withdrawal of U.S. troops, and the absolute panic that is going on there. And I think if you pair that with recent developments going on in Iran, uh, which is the Persia of the Ezekiel 38 war scenario. You've got a new president there, one who is um, kind of the antithesis of the former president, who was uh, considered to be a moderate and a little bit more Western friendly. And now you've got one uh, who sat in the 19, uh, late 1980s on death panels and hmm. uh, is a very radical and extreme uh, leader. So you've got a major shift. Uh, in the region of the world where uh, really kind of the last day scenario is going to culminate and all world attention is going to focus on Israel. So you've got uh, Ibrahim Raisi 
in Iran now as president, and you've got the Taliban uh, now in Afghanistan, uh, having reverted to their former name of the uh, Islamic Emirate of hmm. Afghanistan, and they are now uh, in control of the capital and have taken over the presidential palace. So, you know, I think that paired with so many of the other things that are going on, uh, the Bible talks about a defection from truth uh, in the church, uh, basically an abandonment of well, long-held beliefs and, and biblical precepts, as well as just a general abandonment of truth yes. uh, that we're seeing taking place in these last days, tell us uh, we need to keep our eyes on the prize and stay looking up in the midst of all this turmoil. Yes, and it is turmoil, and I think it's also a lot of deception in Matthew 24.4. Jesus said when they asked him the question, what the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Um, he didn't respond by saying, well, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. He, he said the thing that sets it all up, I think, the very first thing he said was very important. Take heed, and that's a teacher telling his students, um, take heed that no man deceive you. And deception seems to be everywhere. Would you mind hitting on that, what you just said about the church, abandoning, the, well, as Paul told Timothy, uh, sound doctrine? How do you see it? You well, travel Mike, a lot. Yeah, Mike, you know that uh, there's multiple elements of that. You know, the word Christ means anointed. And I think what Jesus was saying uh, and giving a warning of is, one, there will be efforts to deceive. If he says, take heed, yes. that means pay attention uh, to the efforts of deception. And uh, that would include uh, claims of an anointing from him, which would parallel what he said in Matthew seven twenty one and 22 about Many saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these uh, rather spectacular Christian activities, uh, healing and, and all those other things. And um, But he'll say to them, depart from me, for I never knew you. And then I, he identifies uh, what uh, clearly states that they didn't know each other was that they practiced lawlessness. Hmm. So we've got an abandonment of basic biblical doctrines. We've got a redefining of just general biological uh, truths and uh, things that science has long revealed to us and the medical profession as well. We've got, you know, just uh, gender dysphoria that's being uh, treated as fact and all these other things where it's not just a general defection from truth in the church that Paul talked about in Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, uh, as well as Second Thessalonians, but it's just an abandonment of basic practical knowledge and, uh, you know, the loss of love that's uh, paired with that regarding the last day scenario. And, uh, Mike, I think what the, the most important element in all this is what Paul said uh, to Timothy in the last chapter of the last epistle he wrote, which in my mind would underscore the importance of his statements there. And one, he said, preach the word. And he said, because there's a time coming when men will not endure sound doctrine, but they will prefer... Uh, things that tickle their ears or satisfy their felt needs, and uh, that they're going to uh, basically follow after fables instead of long-held established biblical facts. So, and Mike, we're seeing that all over the place. We're seeing churches that are, are basically abandoning the general moral doctrines of Scripture, and um, many laying claim to be of the Lord, but actually uh, denying so many of the biblical uh, precepts that have made yes. the church what it is and allowed it to be salt and light. And really, I think if you're going to summarize what's happening, then, and obviously, Mike, there's always a remnant. 
There's always a faithful group, and the church is still alive and well. There's no question about that. But in a, to a large degree, uh, it's being trampled underfoot by men because it's lost its preserving and purifying influence uh, in many cases. I, I hear what you're saying, and I think there are people that would agree with what you're saying, and I agree with it because, like you, I've got a lot of exposure to the church. Uh, and there is something about a pastor, instead of being a shepherd and a humble servant to the flock, is an exalted uh, superstar, uh, a, a character, a personality. And uh, the love of many, as you mentioned, will wax uh, cold. And love comes by hearing like faith does, that you hear God's tender heart towards us, and you don't want to leave being fed his word. So there was a statistic in January of 2020, just before the hit of COVID, and uh, it caught my attention. I'm not, I don't have it written down in front of me, the, the source, I forgot that at home. But the idea was how many Christians in America today, in January of 2020, are reading your Bible every day? And the second part of their question was, and being impacted by the scriptures you read. It actually totaled about 26% of American Christians read their Bible every day and were impacted. So then the the same uh, pollsters went out and they did it in June, six months later. Now we're three to four months into COVID and you realize there's something horrible going on. And they asked those same two questions. How many of you read your Bible every day and secondly are impacted by the verses you read and thinking it would jump up to 80 or 90 percent it actually dropped down to 22 percent read their Bible and that's kind of a frightening thing when at the same time uh, the Barna group asked in June of 2020 uh, about Christians how many of you since uh, are not going to your church since the outbreak of COVID uh, or watching online, and they found out that one out of every three Christians that they had polled previously were no longer going to church or following their church. And in that one month, that statistic told us one-third of Christianity disappeared, and I don't think it was the rapture. So what would be, <laughs> what would be something that you would say to those who may be questioning, uh, am I actually listening to deception? How do I know if I'm being taught deception? What would you say to that person? Well, I would say that, you know, Paul gave the remedy before he gave the disease, uh, in essence, in uh, 2 Timothy 4. He said, preach the word. And, you know, my kid, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And uh, that is the one mandate that the church has that it cannot abandon. And, uh, you know, in our day and, age, the Bi- day and age, the Bible has largely become subjective. If you don't like it or agree with it, uh, then you're free to skip over it or change it. And uh, when you uh, find these types of interpretive gymnastics going on, that's a pretty significant red flag. And, uh, you know, we may not like everything the Bible says, and some of it is is hard and difficult. Uh, even Peter said, you know, Paul writes things that are hard to understand. And yet uh, he made reference to Paul's writings as being Scripture. Uh, but yet today, you know, sadly, we see this shift in a lot of thinking uh, within those within uh, what the world would, would call the church uh, is moving away from facts and, and following after fables. 
fables are things that uh, have been basically contrived by man. And, uh, you know, the Bible has some pretty strong language to say about these uh, types of tactics like deceitful plotting and, and doctrines of demons and, and those sorts of descriptive phrases. Wow. Uh, so we need to be very careful that we're uh, sticking with the book. And Mike, kind of along the lines of what you shared uh, a moment ago, I think one of the interesting things is developed uh, just within this uh, whole pandemic is that the fastest growing demographic in the United States right now as it pertains to religion are a group that has been called nuns, and that is N-O-N-E-S. And what that means is that if someone was handed a survey or some type of check-in document that would ask of your religious affiliation, uh, more people are checking the box none uh, than ever before in the United States of America. So, yeah, we're, we're seeing tragic and great losses um, within America of Bible-believing Christians. And the, but this, again, is, uh, is something that the Bible has foretold. Yes. And so we shouldn't be surprised by it, but we should be brokenhearted by it. And, yeah. Uh, and get out there and do what the Bible says. I think you're right. And it's not just because we both have pastors' hearts. Every Christian should be brokenhearted over it. It's, it is interesting that um, we lose a major portion, uh, a third of Christianity, in just a few months of a trial uh, called covid and then we see these things of uh, there's one popular church and leader right now who has the children, uh, the students of their miracle school go lie on top of graves in a, a cemetery to absorb the spirit. Uh, and then that miracle working school had 154 students that had COVID. And you see here's a, kids willing to learn uh, but where in the Bible were we ever told to go into the cemetery? Uh, we're talking about a God who's the God of the living, like Abraham saw him as that. Um, very, the, the authenticity of a person's heart is actually in the end times. I think we discussed it in Second uh, Timothy chapter 3 when it lays out all those words that were really about a heart attitude more so than a doctrine attitude, it was human hearts. And so uh, the further we get away from prayer, the further we get away from God, the further we get away from church and the Bible, then we are open pray. Could you help them understand that? Well, again, Mike, that, you know, that is the importance of what Paul said, to preach the word. And, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because that chapter precedes what you just mentioned precedes what he said when he talked about that time of uh, not enduring, and that word means to put up with a sound doctrine. Hmm. And I've always found that to be interesting that he, he uses that qualifier, sound. It's not that they won't put up with teaching. They won't put up with sound teaching. And uh, the reason for that is that in the last days, chapter 3, 1 to 5 says, perilous times will come. And the first character flaw that is mentioned up the last days is men would be lovers of themselves. And hmm. that's really, I think, the foundation for much of what we're seeing today. We have a very self-oriented society where, uh, you know, the Bible, and even as you mentioned, this uh, school of miracles and the grave sucking, believing you can lay on the grave of some famous Christian and that spirit or mantle would come out of the grave and land on you. Uh, there's nothing in that grave except a, a dusty old, human body that once was and had life in it, uh, there's, no, there's no spirit there to be sucked out of the grave. But we are 
you know, seeing these types of things happening in these last days, which is exactly what Jesus warned about, so, uh, hmm. false anointings that attempt to deceive. And, you know, he he talked in, in uh, Paul talked in Second Corinthians chapter 11 about uh, the disguises of the masquerading of Satan himself and his ministers as angels of yes. light or messengers of light being a metaphor for truth that there are those who masquerade as ministers of truth. And so when you see practices that are contrary to Scripture, and yeah, it's funny you bring this up, Mike, because I was just talking about this at the church yesterday uh, because we're teaching through Ephesians. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 says that the Lord gave gifts to men, mm-hmm. and uh, he gave us spiritual gifts. He gave all of us spiritual gifts. And Paul gave some great insight on that in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14. But I think the most important part of that is in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, where it says that uh, the Lord distributes the gifts as he wills. Uh, it's not what we want, it's what he wills. And yes. we're not going to get gifts because we want them, like them, or uh, go to school <laughs> to learn how to use them. Yes. And we're going to get what God has assigned to us according to our own uh, abilities and not just, you know, sound like a Christmas list. Oh, God, please give me to get the feeling and this and that. Uh, the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. And uh, so we have a, you know, we've got this age where people are lovers of themselves and uh, headstrong and haughty and all the other things that are there in Second uh, Timothy 3, 1 to 5. That uh, we all we can do is run down there like a checklist and see what's going on uh, in our world. And most of it's crept into the church today. Well, I'd like you to give your website and some information if people would like to get in touch with you or to follow your uh, Facebook or your YouTube channel that you have with the prophecies and, uh, that are going on. Would you mind doing that? We have about a minute. No, not at all. The church is Calvary Chapel Tustin, and our website is cc, charliecharlietustin.org, and all the messages from throughout the week are there. Or you can follow my YouTube page. Uh, just under my name, Barry Stagner, or you can look up The Truth About God, and uh, I do a Thursday evening kind of weekend review uh, prophecy update every week called The Lineup, and you can watch that there, or it's archived, uh, obviously, as well. And we talk about the things happening in the world through the lens of Bible prophecy. So, All right. Uh, All right, that's perfect. And we'll have you back and talk about this further. And I want to thank you for being with us, Barry, taking the time out. Appreciate Always it. Always a pleasure, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. You're welcome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are in a, a troublous times. We know that there would be troublous times, but it's a sad thing to see right now what we do see that is happening to people. And I would like to encourage you that there are some answers for you. And right after this break, we'll get back together with you And I have seen some things that would maybe inspire you like they did for me in the last couple of years of wondering, Lord, what can I do and how can I be of help to so many suffering people? So don't go away. You're listening to uh, Salem Media Broadcasting, and we're talking to Southern California, and we thank you for being here. We'll be right back after this break. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're thrilled to be with you today. 
live from L.A., and uh, we hope you'll stay with us, have your friends join in. That song is special to me, A Soul on Fire. My son, uh, Jonathan, who's a musician and um, producer, produced that for Third Day and his best friends with Brenton Brown, who wrote that song. And he asked Brenton one day, do you uh, want something to go on this album? As their producer, they're looking for new stuff. And he had just written it, and uh, Johnny, my son, really did a great job of it. They were nominated for... uh, the, uh, the Grammy Awards or whatever they gave, gave them out, and uh, it was a thrill for them. And our souls should be on fire. If ever there was a time, we need to be on fire for the things of God's kingdom. And my name is Mike McIntosh. I uh, am in San Diego. I started pastoring a church uh, with six people. It was eight people to ten, six to eight to ten. And uh, I drove 200 miles every Monday from Orange County to do that study for those 10 people. I promised them I'd give them 16 weeks, one chapter of Mark uh, every week. And in the first uh, six months, it grew to several hundred people out of those 10. And then within a year, it was 1,000 people. The next year, another 1,000. The next year, another 1,000. And all these years later, there's about 150 plus or minus first, second, and third generation churches out around the world across the country from Boston to Brooklyn to you name it, they're all over the place. And God has really been kind to me because I wasn't always a good person. And um, he spared me of a lot of pain. And that's why it's a joy for me to ever talk about Jesus and how much he loves people. Uh, I ended up in a party as a young man, and uh, I didn't know anybody there. I was supposedly waiting for a friend with his girlfriend that dropped me off, and she was bringing a friend. But in that time, somebody slipped me a pill, and I started to die from that pill. And they put a bag over my head, tied my hands behind my back, and stuck a gun to my head. And the next thing I knew, the gun went off. But in my mind's eye, it was so close to my ear, I thought I was shot. It took doctors almost two years, about 17 or 18 months, to get me to believe I was alive. And... um, When I did, it took time to be able to get my vocabulary back. I couldn't talk very well to people. I was lost and no hope. I'd been married for three years to the love of my life, and we had two children, and she had divorced me, and uh, I came down to the pit of hell. And that night, Jesus appeared to me when I knew I called out to God. I knew I was going to die. And uh, Jesus appeared, and he simply said, Michael, you believed in me, but you've never received me. And I was into the Maharishi, Eastern mysticism. I'd studied a lot of world religions. And uh, I couldn't believe that he had loved me and forgive me. And he did love me. And he does love me. And he did forgive me. My life so radically changed. Um, I was prayed for. uh, Hands laid on me. And uh, anointed with oil. And instantly I was healed of both psychological and brain damage. And I fell out of that chair where... People were praying for me, weeping like a baby, and I felt like a man that woke up from a bad dream, and he realized he's awake and everything's okay. And I've never stopped since that moment and getting filled with the Holy Spirit, studying the Bible five or six hours a day and memorizing verses. And Sandy saw such a change in my life, she gave her heart to Jesus. And after three years of divorce, we were remarried in Christ. My mother, at 60 years old, 
told me one day, you're no longer my son. You're somebody else. And I said, well, in a sense, you're right, but I'll always be your son, Mom. She gave her heart to Jesus. Sandy's mom and dad saw the change in their daughter and their son-in-law. They gave their hearts to Jesus, and several hundred thousand people around the globe have given their hearts to Jesus, too. And it's an honor. It's a great honor to be alive at this time because we all see the problems, and sometimes we get discouraged, and we forget the answer always goes back to the Lord Jesus. And if there's any of you that are suffering because of drugs, alcohol, whatever, you're addicted or otherwise, you know, you're just not with it anymore, you lost your family, I'm here to tell you that God can heal you and your loved one. And I have to be honest, 18-year-old grandson, love him dearly. I've got 21 grandchildren and eight great-grandchildren and six children. And uh, Chase took one pill that a friend gave him, and he died. And uh, the toxicology report said there was so much fentanyl in that pill, it could have killed 10 full-grown men. And I know that uh, Chase wasn't a druggie, very smart. Uh, He taught himself everything he did from playing the guitar, uh, you name it. He just had a great eye for astronomy and on and on and on. And I know the pain of those of you that have lost someone because of drugs or gang fighting or something like that, um, please believe me. God loves you, and he wants to heal this hurt in your heart. If you'd like to call and ask for prayer uh, or get encouragement, give us a call. It's toll-free for you. It's one 888 one Eight 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 five two or the word talks T A L K S. We'd be glad to pray uh, with you. So we had some interesting talk there. Um, my screen uh, for the producer. My screen went blank here, so I don't see the clock ticking. Uh, so you can help me out a little bit there. Um, Barry Stagner, and he'll be back with us uh, tomorrow. And uh, later this afternoon, we're having a very good friend from the Billy Graham Association, and we're going to talk about revival. America is in need of revival. I shared a statistic a few minutes ago that um, one out of three Christians that uh, were going to church uh, before COVID started, uh, as of June 2020, the research said that uh, one out of three no longer go to their church And they were asked, are you following your church online? And one out of three said no. So we lost a huge segment of Christianity in America, and we're seeing the rise of atheists of America and the Communist Party of America coming with all their godless doctrines, and the problems are beginning to come to the body of Christ. So I'm here to encourage you today to get closer to the Lord. He loves you, and he created you for a purpose, and he knows that purpose for you. So just call out to him. As I mentioned in that verse of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 7, where here were the Jewish people in Babylon. They felt abandoned by God, and Jeremiah was told, give them this message. And they wanted to kill him for this message. And the message was, Seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away and pray to the Lord for its peace and you 
will have peace. So we need to start publicly, privately praying for the peace of your township. You may be in a small town, a city. Pray for your county, pray for your state, and pray for the United States of America. I have a a prayer work going on um, throughout the Midwest, and people are calling in and praying by name. One town has uh, 700 people in Indiana and seven churches, and the churches don't talk to each other. And so people started calling and saying, why are we like this? And we want to pray by name. And this is what can bring revival into America. The people who love the Lord can be witnesses unto him. And you're his son. You're his daughter. We're at war. It is a spiritual war going on right now. And we need the Lord tremendously. So, Father, I thank you for this privilege to be with you here in this studio. And for all the great people that are listening in this audience, we all struggle. We all have issues. We all have pain. We have setbacks and disappointments. We're trying to raise our children, our grandchildren. We're trying to make our business work. Please, please move on your behalf of your kingdom in each of our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in about a minute and a half having a a break. And uh, when we come back, I've asked a detective from the Bronx of NYPD to join in with us. And actually, I've asked him to be with me all three days because one of the signs of an imploding country is lawlessness. And the Bible speaks very clearly about a sign of the return of the Lord. There will be lawlessness. But in Matthew 24, Jesus amplified it. You remember that? He said, lawlessness will abound. He just didn't say there will be law. It will abound. And what we have seen in our own country, see it abounding, crime, murders, homicides, thefts, robberies, uh, break-ins, homes, burglaries. It's not just lawlessness. It is abounding from neighborhood to neighborhood in America. It is going town to town, county to county, state to state, all the way up the highest levels of our country to the lowest levels. So we're going to ask this detective, who, by the way, for 22 years uh, with NYPD, he was 18 years on the job with the television show you know as a special uh, assignment desk, uh, sexual crimes, and uh, he has a lot to tell us what's going on now and why we need lawlessness. So thank you for joining us. We'll be right back. This is Mike McIntosh, live from L.A., and we hope you're having a great Monday afternoon. We'll be right back with you. We thank all of you for staying with us. This is your host on live in for L.A., Mike McIntosh, and uh, we are going to be talking about something very important right now in our country, and I've asked a very special friend. I had a special security clearance um, on 9-11. The team I was on, a national air disaster team, was put into position by the Congress, a resolution, and the American Red Cross took the contract. 
And uh, so I was uh, able to actually go anywhere and do anything, and no individual could stop me uh, because of my security clearance. And this man helped change my life, and we both realized we were hanging on to each other. So I want you to meet my good friend, detective from the NYPD, Carlos Avia. Carlos, are you there? Hello, Carlos. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you, buddy. Thank you. Okay. Thank you How for... How doing there, Mike? We're doing great. And um, we've got about a 10-minute slot here that uh, I would like to use to prepare the audience that 9-11 is coming. And secondly, the enemies of our country want the police uh, defunded or out of the neighborhood. But you spent 22 years with the NYPD. You're a decorated officer. You were, if I'm not mistaken, Carlos, you were the uh, union rep for all detectives in the NYPD. Isn't that correct? Right, of our borough. Detective of your borough, right. Right, of the special victims unit. Um, you're still in touch with all of those people that you're friends with. You were able to introduce me I remember the day we went to the police commissioner and we sat and read uh, the 13th chapter of uh, Romans to him and you introduced me to the chiefs and uh, they were very kind to me because of you. But if there's anybody that could really be an advocate for law enforcement, I honestly believe you would be it. And I'd like you to take a moment from a believer's point of view of why we need the police and why we don't want to defund them? Well, we shouldn't defund them because it hurts all communities. Uh, defunding the police, uh, they don't realize that when they defund the police, they take the money that we purchase rescue trucks. So if you're in a hostage situation, we need those vehicles to get to save the citizens and the officers. So that money would go for, for that and for crime lab, and for other uh, equipment that the police department needs to be advanced for the citizens. That's really uh, the special victims unit. We need uh, uh, the patrol kits, you know, that the hospital has. We need all this stuff uh, uh, to make our job more, I would say, expedite, more quicker uh, to get to the bad guy. Yeah, and time, so. you bring out a really good you got a really good point there and I hope uh, the audience picked up on this the uh, negative forces are looking at a man or a woman in a uniform in a squad car in a in a uh, traffic car motorcycle they're not looking at the bigger picture like you just said is that the police aren't just that they've got anti-terrorist groups they have the special victims groups and yes. um that's a good point, a huge point. And I remember the day that you took me around, we went to the, the mounted police, we went to the harbor patrol, got on the boat, went to the helicopters, we went to the right. chief's yeah, meetings. Yep. It's, it's much bigger than what's being shown. And if they don't get the equipment, the bad guys will get the equipment, and it's over with for the neighborhoods. Right. They would much better equipment than what we have. But also, I like to uh, point out is that the police department has a police athletic team uh, lead, which is a PAL, 
which is uh, in each neighborhood. The precinct sponsors trips to the zoos. They are uh, trips to out of state and for the kids, for the poor kids in the neighborhood. And and when you defund the police, they're taking away the basketball games that the cops are, are, are putting together for these kids. There's a lot of uh, things you don't see behind the scenes that the police does. And they defund the police. That's the worst thing you could do. And it hurts more the minority community. Yes, more so. community because we depend on the police. Now, you bring up a thought here. I know you're still in touch with the NYPD and you're doing an outreach uh, for 9-11. And what is the morale inside one of the largest police departments, not only in the country, but in the world. Well, how, how are you getting feedback of the officers? Okay, the morale is like zero. There's oh. cops leaving that, I w- that, that would stay there 40 years, and now they can't wait to get out, or they put in their papers, and those young officers that have eight years and 10 years on the job, they're allowed to... Uh, retire early and get the pension when they're 655 or whatever, but still they're leaving. You see, NYPD had the one that, not to brag, but we were one of the number one police departments that have nine. We have nine offices around the world. If you go to Israel, we have a police uh, NYPD sergeant assigned there. We have uh, in Spain, Dubai, Mexico. I've been there to these places where I had to report. England, the New Scotland Yard, that I report to a sergeant there, the NYPD. And, and we're all over only because in Spain they blew up the train a, a while back, and we didn't get information on that. So we made a deal with all these places that New York City will get firsthand knowledge so we could close down our, our subway systems, protect our buildings, or whatever happens, we get it right away. This is why we have nine, eight or uh, nine um, off-site uh, offices in different countries. Hmm. So defunding, looking at it from a business point of view, you would probably start cutting back at those furthest outreaches and then get close to home base. And that would not be good because we now understand the evil that's around the world working with these other agencies, basically, is what you're telling us. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And as you see, as it is written, good is bad and bad is good. You see it all over. There's police officers in Chicago. Chicago, I would love to go there and take over Chicago because you can do policing, community policing to stop all this stuff. They're not doing that. They're bad guys running around for years. For years, they're running around, taking over the city and doing everything else. And they have to vote somebody who's going to help them out. They're not doing that. They keep voting the wrong way. They keep voting for these people back in instead of vote them out. What are they doing for the community? Hmm. Hmm. Would you like to pray for law enforcement before we go to our break? I'd love to have you oh, just yeah. pray for all that are related in this audience to law enforcement. Uh, Father, I lift up all those in uniform and out of uniform, Father. I ask that you uh, protect them and be with them and camp your angels around them, Lord. For that job ain't easy, Father, but you uh, 
you said that just like Peter with the sword, but they're carrying the gun. And, Father, that is not a, a good sight what's happening. But, Father, we know it's written. What's good is bad and bad is good. But, Father, we lift them up and uh, this evening, Lord, Father, that you would touch each and every of their hearts and their families too, Lord. Protect them as they're in, on, on patrol, Lord, Father. On those lonely times, Father, shaking their hearts to know that you would never leave them or forsake them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Detective. And we will have you back again tomorrow to give us some insight. Okay. Thank you, buddy. God bless you. Goodbye. Well, thank you all for listening to this portion. And this is Mike McIntosh from Live from L.A. And we hope you're having a wonderful Monday. See you back after this break.